Welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Kennedy, and you tune in today because you're sick of trying every fad diet under the sun and training yourself into the ground without seeing any results. That's why I'm here to share the most effective ways to eat and train for sustainable and real results. Hey guys, welcome back to this week's episode of the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast, and boy have I got a good show today. It's extremely interesting and it's with a special guest. His name is Maddie Lansdowne. I'm going to do a bit more of an intro with him in a second once I get into the interview, but I'd like to just start the show off by thanking this week's sponsor, and that is Real Food Vending. Now, if you're someone like me who really struggles with motivation to prep meals at the start of the week to make sure that you're organized when you're busy at work or when you get home after a long day, then Real Food Vending are perfect. Uh, They're freshly prepared meals delivered straight to your door. It's a great way to save time, money, and also to make sure that you are prepared because failing to prepare is preparing to fail. It's cliche. As that sounds, now, if you're like me, you'll follow flexible dieting and macros, and that's perfect because it's a great way to be able to rotate your food sources and not stick to the boring meals over and over and over again, which is like, which is why I like real food vending because they have such a wide range of different meals, and you can go and check out their menu on their website at realfoodvending.com.au and put in an order if you like. Um, you can use my code DKFITNESS. Um, as a, uh, a promotional code there, but they're, they're fantastic. I wouldn't be putting them on the show if I didn't believe in what they do in terms of their product and the freshness of their meals. They don't come frozen, which is what I really like. They're fresh, so I get them delivered on a Sunday. I just get five meals for the week to make sure that on the days that I am busy, whether that's lunch at work or whether it's dinner when I get home, they're all prepared for me. So go and check them out, guys. Again, big thank, thank you to this week's sponsor, Real Food Vending. Now let's get stuck into the interview with Maddie. All right, Maddie. welcome to the show, mate. Um, for the listeners that are tuning into this episode, I'm here with very special guest, Maddie Lansdowne. Um, so, Matt, I'll let you kind of fire away for a couple of minutes, mate, and just tell us a bit about yourself and what you do and um, give the listeners an idea about what we're going to be kind of talking about today. Sure. Thanks, Danny. I really appreciate you inviting me uh, down to be on the podcast. I'm really excited to share some knowledge tonight and hopefully the listeners can get some, some info out of it. Um, so I guess a little bit about my background. So I'm a scientist. Um, I work in a cancer research team in Royal Melbourne Hospital, and I'm also a health and nutrition consultant. So I help people improve their health, get more energy and productivity by maximizing or optimizing their diet, lifestyle, and um, using different diet and sort of fasting regimes. Yeah, cool. And so you mentioned about the cancer research and stuff, and we caught up the other week to have a bit of a chat and um, ended up talking for a fair while, and we probably could have talked even longer. Absolutely. Um, but you kind of mentioned to me that when you came into, um, I guess, the hospital environment, um, that you noticed a pretty big gap in um, what you kind of thought was probably um, a better path to go down. Not so much a better path, but an area that wasn't being um, looked into as much, and that's what kind of led you down the path of nutrition. So what did you see? that was missing, that kind of gave you that motivation to then go into the path you're on now. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess I've kind of been around sport and fitness and health and nutrition for about 10 years. When I grew up, I was into lots of sport, but uh, when I went to uni, I lived with the strength and conditioning coach from the Geelong Cats, Yep. and we regularly had our house full of just gym junkies, fitness junkies, elite athletes. So that's kind of where my story sort of began, and it was like that's the sort of extreme end, sort of the people that you would work with, you know. Super fit, super super lean, super ripped. Everyone's looking photoshopped, yeah. just just like you, Danny. <laughs> oh, um, mate, I don't think so. <laughs> um, and so I sort of uh, I did did an honors degree in nutritional epigenetics, and 
And then I sort of by accident ended up in cancer research. And the big thing that I noticed was um, that like, you know, we assume knowledge to like to be linear, right? We assume that today, you know, this day, listening to this podcast right now um, is the most knowledge that's ever existed. And it's, it's the most, you know, advanced technology has ever been. But at the same time, I noticed that whilst we've got all this amazing research, technology, you know, sort of different things in the biomedical field, it's also at the same time, the worst that uh, health has ever been in the world. Like mm. it's the most disease on the planet. We're getting close to one in two will get cancer. One in four will get diabetes. One in seven, you know, heart attack. Seven, so one in two. One in two will get cancer. Yeah, we're edging towards that. So there's, it's, at the minute, it's about one in three for men in Australia, one in four. But we're definitely moving towards one in two. So so that's the big thing I really noticed was I was like, you know, this is the most advanced technology's ever been, yet this is the sickest the planet's ever been. So yeah, I was trying to figure out... exactly uh, link up, does it? doesn't really nah, make sense. not at all. It doesn't make any sense. And the second thing I really noticed was that... Um, so after you know this epiphany kind of happened to me, I realized that um, once I started applying my nutrition knowledge to the situation, that there was a big, um, big sort of well, like think about you know the recycling logo, yeah, yeah, how it's just yeah. like a, a never-ending circle. So I noticed that uh, food companies were sort of promoting disease, um, sort of disease diets, okay, yeah. um, or disease-inducing or diets type thing, and people would come to the hospital. And doctors would just give them the drugs they needed or the medications they needed and just they would walk out the door and insert themselves directly back into that lifestyle. Yeah. Sort of there was no, and it just, it's a revolving door then yeah, once yeah, you're yeah. in the system um, and sort of, you know, different medical professionals in the past never dealt with the, the lifestyle change that needed to happen that got them there. Yeah. Sort of thing. So these, these are the gaps that I noticed that got me really motivated to use my health and nutrition knowledge in a good way yeah it's really interesting and um and for those that are listening like i mentioned this a bit on the show but obviously uh by now if you've tuned into the the podcast for a while you know what i'm about in terms of flexibility with nutrition and keeping it sustainable um i'm very open to new ideas i think i've um i've spent a fair bit of my time trying to sift through a lot of the bullshit that's out there um as i'm sure you have too Maddie, um, but I am open. Like, I'm sure there'll be things that will come up today that, you know, we may not 100%, um, not so much not agree on, but like, you might follow protocols that I don't necessarily follow. Um, and I hope, hope there's people listening that are the same. Like, there's things that I do that you don't necessarily agree with and you do it differently. Um, but I think the beauty of the show is that we can take bits and pieces from everything and put it all together. So, when we talk about nutrition for, um, I guess, weight loss or fat loss, what are some of the misinterpretations that you that you kind of see or you notice? Um, I know that there's, there's a shitload. I think I've done a couple of episodes on um, what I think in terms of like some stuff that you just see it and you just go, what is like what is going on? But <laughs> plenty of that. <laughs> yeah. What are, what are some of the things you think people just have a misunderstanding about when it comes to weight loss and fat loss? Yeah. So I guess I'll preface this with saying that you know everybody. Um, Every human is an individual and their genetic makeup and their metabolic makeup is unique to them. But on a fundamental level, we're all animals and the fundamentals apply to everyone. Mm. And so the, the three three big things is so um, this, this one will probably be a big one, um, especially for people that may have been struggling with weight for a long time. Um, and that's that weight loss um, is a two-dimensional problem. Yeah. And for, for decades, doctors, PTs, nutritionists, dietitians have been approaching this problem as a two-dimensional problem. And those two dimensions being food mm. and fitness. Yeah. Just, just eat less 
and you know work super hard at the gym. The problem is that um, you know the last forty or fifty years of of doing that has produced the highest di- diabetes numbers in the world, the highest obesity levels, and that that system's obviously not working. And the the reality is that there are other factors um, like emotions and obesity fundamentally is a hormonal issue mm-hmm. and until we deal with the hormones um, we, we're not going to lose fat we can you know there's lots of people that can probably relate to the fact of being you know doing the perfect you know a lot of people that are overweight doing the perfect things they're eating the right things they're you know smashing the gym and they're still not getting rid of that weight mm-hmm. um, and that's because that we've got to deal with not only the hormones but also the beliefs about food so we've got to put the right foods in and a lot of the foods that we put in are based on our belief systems and also the mindset as well. So, you know, it's, weight loss is not a two-dimensional problem and until um, everybody starts approaching their weight as a multifaceted um, issue, then we'll start seeing better results. Mm, I'll, I'll just quickly interrupt you yeah, before go you go on to the next two. Um, I definitely agree with that and I think as well, like something that I try to work on with, with clients is it's all well and good to say, all right, you've got five sessions this week and you're taking in this amount of protein, carbs, and fats, see you next week when you've lost a couple of kilos. But like you just said, there's so many other factors, in it, and it's along with the hormones and stuff as well, it's external factors with life. Like it's, you know, the, the amount of uh, people that are actually adhering to those guidelines anyway yeah. <laughs> is, is so, so light. Yeah, so, absolutely. Um, you know, it's, it's all well and good to give out a prescription of exercise and nutrition, but... Who knows if they're actually following it? And like yeah. I said, it could be because of the fact that they do have high cortisol levels because they're not getting enough sleep. It could be over stress or anxiety, which means that they don't go to the gym or they don't put in a hundred percent, or maybe they're they're um, they're they're overeating slightly or even undereating, which is yeah. which I'm sure you would come across a lot is a massive problem for some Absolutely, people as well. Yeah. So now I've got my, yeah. I've got some of my own clients that um, that put in the work that follow the meal plans. And, you know, I often deal with sort of um, corporates and entrepreneurs that are extremely busy um, and they're sort of wondering why isn't the weight dropping faster? And the question usually ends up with this this demographic, sleep, just as you said, Mm. sleep. They're just not getting enough sleep and sleep's where the body does most of its immune work, like its immune functions. It does most of its weight loss, its muscle repair when you're asleep. So, like, in in basic logic, the longer you sleep, the better the result. Yeah, when I was in LA last year, uh, I was getting ready for my competition and I... I was still relatively early stages of my prep and um, it was about midway through and my calories were still really high. Um, no cardio, was lifting weights six days a week. Uh, and then as soon as I got to America, I spent, I spent a month there. Obviously, I wasn't spending all day, every day in the gym, um, wasn't going off like a really strict time schedule. I could sleep longer, um, better quality sleep and literally like body fat was just falling off me and I was like, like, like something. I almost felt bad. I was like, shit, I should be working harder or I should be eating less. Like, how is this, how is this coming off me? But it's seriously, I literally bring it down to the fact that one, I was sleeping better. Yeah. Um, and two, like, as a result of that, my cortisol levels were just so much lower. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, I just couldn't believe how easily I was able to get into shape with eating, you know, a lot higher food intake than what I usually would. Yeah. Um, just because of, some of those external factors and, and hormone stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And sleep allows us to regulate our hormones much better. And yeah, like you said, cortisol levels have got more time to go down the longer we're asleep mm. as well. So yeah, cool. it's super important. Um, so I'll jump on to the next yeah, two. Sorry. Yeah, you know, that's, that's cool. That's cool. Um, so, so that was number one. Um, so number two is, is that, and this is, 
maybe it's maybe not so common for sort of people in their you know twenties or thirties, but definitely older generations, um, older people and different generations. Um, they there's an assumption that our doctor knows what's best for our health, and what I mean by that, and I want to be really clear in saying that um, the doc the, the role of doctors is to get you not sick. Okay, and that is not healthy. Mm. Okay, and what I mean by that is that there can be, you know, there's, there's plenty of people that are overweight or not in ideal condition that are not sick. So they don't need a doctor, right? They, they need a nutritionist or a dietitian or a PT. So what, what I mean is that um, doctors pretty much receive no nutritional education throughout their degrees. I know this, I work with doctors. Um, I know the, the program, I was going to study medicine myself pretty much until I realized this fact. Yeah. Um, and so... It's important to know that a doctor is about taking you on the journey from being sick, ill, or disease-ridden to not being disease-ridden, ill, or sick. The next step is then to become healthy. So um, when, whenever you often ask your, your doctor for health advice, they usually say a really general statement like, eat a balanced diet, mm. which is far from detailed enough and far from personal enough in order for you to achieve results. So um, doctors are obviously extremely important. I, I work with them all day, yeah. every day. Um, and they're amazing at getting you not sick, but in order to get healthy, you need to take the next step with the right, right person that has the appropriate education to be able to customize your health journey. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Um, and number three is, and this is a big one. We've been sold this, sold this myth for a very long time and I love myth busting. Um, but that is that breakfast is the most important meal of the day. And keep in mind, I say that in the context of your question about yeah. weight loss. Um, yeah. So, um, so I want to talk about like what's known, what J Dr. Jason Fung, who's like a world fasting expert, um, talks about. So he talks about the two compartment, two compartment model in regards to weight loss. Um, and that's simply, um, so imagine like you've got your, your freezer in one room where you store your, your food for later yeah. and you've got your fridge, right? Your fridge, you're in the room with your fridge. It's accessible. There's a door in between those two rooms. So when we eat during the day, um, we're, we're pretty much putting food into the fridge. The fridge is accessible. The food's ready to eat. It's easy to, easy to access. And when, when we're not eating, we're just emptying what we stored into the fridge as we consume during the day. Now, the thing keeping that door closed to the freezer in the other room is insulin. So it's our insulin levels, which is a hormone, and it's one of the most important when it comes to weight loss. So the thing that causes insulin to go up is usually sugar and carbs and just generally metabolism. So the idea of... Um, the two compartment model is that in order for us to access our body fat, which is the stuff we've stored in the freezer, we need insulin to plummet, but like we need it to go way down in order for us to open the door to the freezer. And that won't happen until the fridge is empty. So when you're in a weight loss context, the longer that the fridge is empty, so you're in a fasting state, that means you've slept all night, you haven't had any food, you've woken up, not eaten till lunch. Um, and that's pretty much what I do every day. I don't eat till about one or two every day. And that's to maintain this fasting state, which means my insulin is low, which means my body has constant access to, to open that door and access the food in the freezer because the fridge has been empty for long enough in order for my body to convert into accessing ketones or body fat as the primary fuel source. Now, when we wake up in the morning, a lot of people eat just before bed, which for most people is, you know, nine or 10. They go to bed, they're usually up at six or seven or eight, smash foods and straight away. So the body's only been able to sort of just finished digesting what was in the fridge from overnight and a lot of the time doesn't even get to the point of accessing the what's in the freezer at all. So that's why we get we see a lot of these things where people are like, I'm eating right, I'm eating 
four or five meals a day and it's broccoli and chicken and, mm. you know, and, um, <clears throat> I'm sort of smashing the gym. Why isn't the weight dropping off? And that's simply because you're not allowing your body's insulin levels to decrease enough to access body fat. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So that's why I often say breakfast is not the most important meal of the day um, at all, especially in a weight loss journey. You need to make that window of fasting bigger in order for you to burn fat as fuel. I don't know if you've got more to add to that. I'll um, just quickly add something in there as well. As, and I've mentioned this before on the show is that, that adding to that, um, that misunderstanding of that breakfast is the most important meal of the day is that we, we kind of know that if, if you're trying to eat in a calorie deficit and if you're, depending on how your lifestyle is, the, the biggest myth that, one of the biggest myths in the, the food industry or the, the nutrition industry, I think, is that small frequent meals are going to increase your metabolism and I guess, quote unquote, stoke the fire and burn more fat or just make your metabolism go crazy somehow. And that's just not the case. Like, Absolutely. Um, I've got clients who will eat three times a day. I've got clients who might eat six times a day, depending on how their, um, you know, how their day is structured, what their specific goal is. Um, but thinking that you need to be eating small, regular, frequent meals to burn more fat is, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say a waste of time, but it's not exactly, uh, it's not one of the main things that you should be focusing on because it's yes. really not giving you much benefit at all. It's just not the most efficient <clears throat> way to do it. It's, it's mm. definitely one way to do it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, not the most efficient, unfortunately. Yep. Awesome. Is that, that anything yeah, else yeah. you wanted to add to that? Yeah, no, that, that's pretty much it. Um, I mean... A lot of the time, it's not necessarily about calorie deficit. It's just about putting your your food and the calories for the day into a smaller feed window so your fasting window is bigger. So it's not necessarily about cutting out breakfast and cutting out dinner and starving yourself. That's definitely not the goal at all. Mm. It's the same amount of calories in a smaller, smaller space of time so that you can then allow your body to decrease insulin in a bigger fast window to burn the fat. Yeah, and I've actually had clients... Um, kind of come and go in the intermittent fasting, um, I guess, structure. So like I might have someone, for example, eating, let's say 2,200 calories a day over the span of, you know, might, they might have breakfast, they might not have breakfast, but over the span of the full day, they'll make sure they get that intake in. When they go to intermittent fasting, they're still having 2,200 calories. Yeah, it's exactly um, right. Like you just yeah. said, it's not like you're just going, all right, no breakfast, so that means I'm having 500 less calories. Yeah. And then I'm not eating after dinner, so I'll take that 300 calories that I had dessert out as well, yeah. and all of a sudden I'm eating 800 less. Yeah, and, and touching on that intermittent fasting, so a lot of people come to me, uh, I often I often sort of do my fasting schedules through my social media, and people often assume that I'm just doing low calorie. And so in regards to the two compartment model that I just described, low calorie would, would not would not be beneficial at all because mm. you're still putting food into the fridge, which keeps insulin up. So it's in that fasting window, it's water only, essentially. Yeah. Nothing that requires, okay. don't consume anything that requires metabolism because that will put insulin up. Yeah. And I know you don't drink coffee, but what about coffee? Coffee, like I would... Black coffee without any like milk or whatever. Yeah, I still advise my clients to cut that out just usually because it's associated with bad habits okay. um, and bad relationships with food. A lot of people have got, uh, you know, they can't get rid of the milk out of there, which is a big sugar dose. Um, but if people can't go without it at all, I mean, by all means, but my advice is for the best result, water fast in that window. Awesome. Now, I think this question, this next question kind of almost pairs onto this one. So it may be similar answers, but yep. what's something that you wish you knew earlier on about nutrition? Yeah. So, um, pr pretty much, uh, 
pretty much just that I knew more profoundly and earlier in my life um, the, the connection between diet and disease. I was raised in a very normal Aussie family in the country, like I grew up in the country. Um, and, you know, I, you grew up in the country too, so you sort of know sure the did, lifestyle yeah. and the food and yeah. stuff like that that we kind of would have grown up on. And I just wish that I knew earlier so that I could sort of, you know, make change in my own life and to my family's life and all, you, all, yeah. the, all the people around me, um, which is what I'm doing now. So I just wish I knew it all earlier. Yeah. <laughs> and now you're you're similar to me in terms of I know you love podcasts. Um, you were showing me the list of podcasts you listen to. And, yeah. Um, and obviously you're a researcher, so you're, <laughs> I'm hoping you do plenty of it. I do. Um, so for Too those, much. <laughs> so for those that are listening... What um, do you have any books, podcasts, um, even research research papers or reviews um, that you can get access to um, that you might that the audience might find helpful or even just interesting to go and check out? Yeah, absolutely. So my number one recommendation for everyone is pretty much the same, which is Dr. Jason Jason Fung's The Complete Guide to Fasting. So um, he's a Canadian-based nephrologist, which is a kidney specialist, and he's one of the world leaders in this area of fasting in order to respond to disease states and also to get, you know, just get fitter, weight loss, all that type of thing. So um, he sort of goes against the conventional model, medical model of um, going down a bariatric path, which is like stomach stapling and all that type of stuff and has a lot, a lot of research in that area. So his guide, com- The Complete Guide to Fasting by Dr. Jason Fung, awesome place to start. Um, I love Jimmy Moore. So he's, um, big in the, he's big in the ketogenic space and intermittent fasting space. Also, he's really big on water fasting. So he does a podcast called Live and La Vida Low Carb. <laughs> it's, um, actually one of the, it's actually the longest running health podcast that's ever existed. I think it started in 2005. There's something crazy like, what was it? Was it? It was at least a thousand, wasn't it like 3,000 episodes or yeah, something stupid some, like that? Yeah, it was something crazy, a couple of thousand episodes. Um, and they're all long, they're lectures, there's lots of, he interviews lots of academics and, and lots of testimonials. So that's good too. Um, Dr. Rhonda Patrick, so she's a phenomenal researcher, one of my favorite scientists. So she's got a podcast called Found My Fitness. Um, she's, yeah, she's really verbal in the space of holistic health. Um, backed by science, fasting and uh, vitamins and supplements and this type of thing. And I actually was introduced to her through Joe Rogan Experience podcast, which is one of my favorite. Like everyone should listen to Joe Rogan because he opens your mind in ways you never imagined. But that's where I found Rhonda Patrick. So I think all of those are amazing places to start for this kind of content. Yeah, sweet. And um, I can definitely back you up there. Joe Rogan is one of the one of my favorite podcasts as well. Like oh, it's, he's amazing. I think I think we mentioned this last time. Like I never. There's podcasts where I could probably listen to, like for example, my podcast. Like I try and keep it between fifteen and thirty minutes, so it's easy for you guys to listen to on your way to work or whatever it may be. Whereas Joe's podcasts go like on average between two and three hours. Yeah, I, and, I, um, I listened you, to one the other day that was four point five, four and a half hours. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> and like you think you hear that now and you're like, fuck, there's no chance I'm checking this out. <laughs> but trust me, you'll listen to it and then you'll continue to listen to it until you finish the episode. It's that it's uh it's that good. Um moving on to the last couple of questions before we wrap things up, Maddie. Uh what are three foods or supplements that you would recommend to everyone that's listening? Yeah, sure. So I think what I've found through my own journey and my own clients is um, most people need more cruciferous vegetables in their diet. So I often um, see, especially people that are losing weight, but also guys that are in a shredding phase, 
um, they've just got two colors in their plate and it's broccoli and it's chicken or whichever, whichever protein source they're trying to use. And so what I work towards with my clients is what I call the rainbow method. And that's simply that, um, the more colors in your bowl, the better essentially. So, um, cruciferous vegetables is a really good place to start because they offer a very broad range of vitamins and nutrients. And that includes your broccoli, that includes your cabbage, your bok choy, um, your cauliflower. So, just getting more cruciferous vegetables into your diet is going to be super beneficial. Um, mushrooms, mushrooms are exceptionally good for your immune system, um, and everybody should get as many of these in as they can. I, most meals that I order out, I always add mushrooms. My friends always know it's coming. They're like, yeah. he's going he's to add mushrooms to this. Um, so, but they've got, they're just exceptionally good for the immune system and the, the gut flora as well. And they're the health mushroom, mushrooms, guys. They're not the, uh, they're not the ones that make stuff <laughs> seeing sounds. We can do, we can do another podcast on psilocybin. <laughs> but, um, and as for supplements, uh, vitamin D is the number one I would recommend. And that's simply just because most people are cooped up in their office all day. Um, they just don't get enough sun and walking to and from the train or, or you know, to and from the, the office from your car is just not enough exposure to the sun. And the Canadian government actually did a study that um, they, where they found that vitamin D um, was contributing to cancer diagnosis. And what they did is they then um, factored that into their healthcare plan and they made vitamin D more widely available. And they found that cancer diagnosis decreased 60%. With a um, yeah, right. with a widespread introduction of vitamin D, um, easily accessible and whatnot. So vitamin D is yeah extremely important for a, a range of things, and we most of us just don't get enough of it. Awesome, very good. All right, last question before we wrap things up. What do you want to listen to walk away with after hearing today's episode? So um, you know, for most people or a lot of people, this is probably the first time they've come across any of your content. So I'm going to have Maddie's stuff in the show notes for you to go and check out. Um, his social media pages and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, what do you want the listener to walk away with or thinking about after they listen to this? I guess primarily that um, to start, if you're on a weight loss journey or you know anyone that is, to start understanding that it's not a two-dimensional problem, that dealing with your hormones is extremely important and dealing with your mindset and beliefs in food is extremely important because your beliefs inform your behavior. And in order to achieve the result you're after, you need to um, you need to work on your belief system to then implement the right behavior, and also to understand that in order to the easiest and quickest way to access body fat is to decrease insulin. And the best state you can be in to access body fat is when your insulin is really low, and that is best done in a fasting state. Awesome, mate! Thanks, thanks a lot for coming and joining the show today, uh, guys. If you've enjoyed today's episode, which I'm sure you have. Please do take a screenshot of this uh, this episode on your phone, post it up on, on your Instagram story or even your Snapchat or even share the link to the episode on your Facebook and tag myself and Maddie so we can uh, check it out. All feedback is very good and, and welcome, obviously. If you've got any questions for myself or Matt from um, today's show, just let me know or let Matt know and um, I might even answer them. Uh, and if there's some, some questions for Matt, then I might answer them. Uh, I'll get his answer and kind of relay it to you guys in the um, social media question of the week in the next episode. So thanks for joining us, mate. No worries. I appreciate you getting me on. It's been great. Awesome. All right, guys. Enjoy the rest of your day. Look forward to chatting to you in the next episode.